The editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Tim Kawakami. Tim Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on Athletic Podcast Network. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show, recording as always from the home studio. And we have a much-anticipated show today. At least on my part, and judging from some of the questions I get when people say, who would you, who would you most want to have on the show? Uh, very much one of the ones that interests me. Uh, we've been talking, Jed and I have been talking about this. Oh, I just gave away the guest, by the way. Jed and I have been talking about this for a couple years. Uh, overdue to have get Jed York, owner of the 49ers, on the show. Jed, thanks for being on. How are you doing today? Great, Tim. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, we've been chatting about this for a while. Uh, and glad to have you on. Uh, I'll just start generally uh been at the practices a lot i know you've been watching i know obviously you're paying attention to what's happening with your team lots of talent out there a lot of confidence i feel it from the players and the coaches jed how are you feeling about this season coming up i mean i feel good but i I think it starts with with john and kyle i i mean i have so much respect in those guys and and so much confidence in what they've been able to help build so i I think it starts there and then i think you see with the players i think players are taking ownership you have great leaders out there from Trent to George to Devo to Fred. There's so many guys that that I think you can rely on, and, and I feel really good about this team. I know some owners like comparing teams to other teams. Some don't. Uh, you haven't that much, but do you look at this roster and say this is one of the most talented rosters you've had under your ownership? I never think about it like that. It's more sort of the feeling that you have, and I have a, I have a really good feeling about the team. There's a good energy. I think you, you set it, and I think you see it and sense it when you're out there. But as talented as people can think we are, there are so many talented teams. Um, I mean, you just look at our division. You got the Rams who won the Super Bowl last year. We had, you know, three really good battles with them last year. And, you know, we'll, we'll get at least two more shots this year. I mean, that's a team that, that you obviously have to go after first. But Seattle is going to be tough. Arizona is always going to be tough. Kyler's always always a handful. So, I mean, there's a lot that we need to worry about before anybody starts breaking our arms, patting ourselves on the back. How did you look at last year was a little bizarre year where, you know, start slow. Um, some thought about, okay, this is going to be kind of maybe a rebuild year, switch the quarterback, don't switch the quarterback and rally and get all the way to the NFC championship game, have a lead in the NFC championship game uh, near the end. How did you go through that one, Jen? I mean, you have some weird injuries at the beginning of the season. I mean, just sort of weird coincidence things that happened. And we, we lost some games that, that we could have won. But I think it's a testament to the, the brotherhood that John and Kyle have built here. There aren't a lot of teams that can bounce back from three and five and get, you know, within a few minutes of another trip to the Super Bowl. It's a testament to how hard this team worked. And the, and the character that, that John and Kyle have helped instill in the team. How much do you pop your head in when times are tough like that? Or just say, hey, you know, don't worry about it. Or, yes, do worry. I'm not sure what you would say. But, you know, you know those guys. You've been with those guys. Do they need to hear from you? Do you feel like you need to say something in the middle of some tough times? No, I mean, I, some of the things that, that I've learned, you know, o- over the years, we'll have a standing meeting usually usually the day after the game. It's really, really hard to have a discussion in the locker room, whether you win or lose, whatever it is. It's just, there's always emotion at that point. So I I feel like it's always better, you know, based off of past experiences to have 
just a standing meeting. And if it don't, if it's five minutes and you just check in and see what injuries are like, you know, versus it could be a hour conversation about nothing, nothing to do on the field and just trying to take people's minds off, you know, having a two or three game losing streak and trying to get everybody refocused and sort of relaxed. That's kind of how I've, I've handled like conversations with those guys. But I, I think it's important that I try not to just drop in randomly or, or call some random meeting. And I don't think that that's particularly good for the club. I, I think it's always good to have a sort of set standing meeting where you know that that's part of the day and it's not the owner coming down to say, all right, you're fired today. <laughs> uh, maybe some other owners might do it that way. Uh, the, we'll, we'll have some more discussions about this. You know, you look at some of the coaches that we've had, I, I think th- those are some of the things with, with Coach Harbaugh or, or even Tom Suling and, and Chip, you know, not having that sort of standing meeting, it, it just, it, it, at certain times, it just led to, oh, well, you, are you here because we're losing? Like, you know, I mean, and, and I just, I want to get away from that. I, I want to make sure that whether we're winning or losing, it's, it's the same structure. It's the same schedule. And you're always trying to learn in whatever it is that you do. Yeah, I mean, you brought it up. I'll just say that, um, you know, you went through a lot of stuff there for a few years uh, as a team going through, you know, two one-and-done coaches. Obviously, a lot went on at the end of the Harbaugh era. Uh, stability seems to me like this is what you've been reaching. This is what you were trying to get to. You got it with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. You've, this is their sixth season. As you were going through the tumult, kind of, the, you know, there's certainly you're getting criticism by some people who might be on this podcast with you, uh, feeling it from fans maybe. Where were you like, I, I need this. I don't know. Where am I going to get it? What was that process like? I mean, the goal is to to compete for and win Super Bowls, right? And, you know, I thought that we had, a, you know, a, a good group of people with Trent and Jim and when things sort of went sideways with Jim, first we looked internally to see if we can continue some of the things that we had. Obviously, that didn't work with with Jimmy T. Good football coach, good person. It just didn't work. And then we went to Chip. And I think Chip is is a very, very talented coach. I, I don't know that this was the right time for Chip to be here. You know, I, I feel bad that, that Chip was a, a one and done here. I don't necessarily consider Jimmy T a one and done since you sort of knew him and that was sort of a continuation. It's not like you didn't know Jimmy T before he was here. I I feel worse with Chip in terms of personally bringing somebody out here, but I'm glad that that he's done well in the Pac-12 and and now hopefully the Big Ten, he will do well. (laughs) But I mean, I think it's just you have to learn from those things and learn that for me, I want stability. You know, I, 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 if I could wave a magic wand and, you know, Jim and Trent and I were all singing Kumbaya together and we continued sort of what we started beginning in 2010, 2011, it would make my life a lot easier. You know, I, I think it would be easier for the fans and it's better for the, for the team when you have that stability. And I'm so, so happy that we've got two great guys and John and Kyle that, you know, they, they want to be here. They, they want to make this team better every day. And they, they make it so easy to go to work every day um, that, that I'm, I'm very thankful. Now, they didn't know each other real well or, or very much when you hired them. I mean, they had an interaction. I think they, they knew that they had similar philosophies. When did you know that they had a real chemistry? Not just like, okay, we think this is going to work. When you had, they had real personal camaraderie and chemistry that they could do this together and would stick together. Well, I mean, it just, it was interesting just going through the whole process. And, 
you know, trying to reevaluate things that, that I missed, you know, prior to hiring those guys, you know, knowing that we had traditionally sort of had, you know, coaching on one side and, and scouting GM on the other. And I, there were issues with that. There, there were things that, that I, I wanted to make sure that those two were fighting for each other as opposed to with each other. Um, and I, I think it clicked for me when, when I think about the 49er way, when I think about, you know, what my uncle and Bill Walsh and John McVay built in the eighties and, and lasted for a long, long time, you know, that influenced Mike Shanahan, which influenced Kyle Shanahan that influenced, you know, obviously Bill was a piece of it. When you look at John Lynch, he played for Denny Green, then Bill Walsh, then Sam Weish, you know, so, and, and Tony Dungy, guys that had a Bill Walsh experience and then had time with Kyle Shanahan. So I, I think our philosophies on how to build an organization and, and what constitutes success and how you work together, I, I think we came from a shared background and shared experience, but it was all unique to the three of us. Um, so I think it made it a lot easier for us to come together from that standpoint, as opposed to saying, you know, you're from this tree and, and, and you're bringing somebody from a different background and a different philosophy to, to another. And, and I think not that that can't work, but I, I find that people that understand sort of what my uncle and Bill started, you know, that's, that's how we're trying to run and manage a franchise. Obviously in the 2022 version of, what started in, you know, 1979, but it, it's still the same sort of core philosophy. Now you interviewed Mike Shanahan for the head coaching job not that long ago, right? I mean, when you hired Chip, Mike Shanahan was, well, did you come close or did you get closer to Mike Shanahan over that process? What's funny, and I, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to go too deep into it. I mean, Mike was clearly the the most talented guy that we talked to, but but part of it, and and I think his experience with Kyle in Washington was a great father son experience, but they, they obviously had some issues with the media and, and that didn't end well for them. And I mean, when you talk about longevity, you know, I, I was hoping for something that, you know, you can have a 10, 20, 25 year coaching relationship, which is probably not going to be the case with Mike Shanahan at, at that point in his career. And, and part of the conversations were about Kyle. And, you know, is, is Kyle somebody that you'd want to bring with you and maybe take over in four years? You know, is, you know, is there somebody else from your coaching tree? And that's kind of where things, you know, didn't, didn't materialize. And I think we had not moved on from Trent at that point. And it's tough to, to make a sweeping change. But I think at the end of the day, like, I'm, I'm very happy that we're in a situation where, where John and Kyle came in together and they were able to help build something from the ground up together. And, and again, I think you see it. it. It's not BS when they're getting each other's back and, and taking care of each other during good times and bad times. They genuinely care about each other and they genuinely work for each other. Now, this has cost you some money. I mean, you go through one coach uh, in one year. And, I mean, the contract was for four years, I think, for Tom Zula. The contract for Chip Kelly, I understand, was four years. Cost a lot of money to bring Kyle and John in here. I have always credited you for that. I mean, it, you have paid money. You are paying market value and sometimes maybe on top of market value. Um, how tough was it financially to do that? It's just it's like, okay, if we make a mistake or we make it the wrong hire, we're going to get out of it quickly. And, and how much of it was, we got to make a decision quickly or else this is just spending bad money and, and it's not going to get us anywhere. I mean, it's more the latter. And for us, like it starts with how do we compete for championships? 
you know, how, how do we win football games? How do we make, you know, the team something that our fans can be proud of? And, you know, obviously you don't want to make those mistakes financially, or it's easy to say financially. I, I care more about, you know, having people move across a country and it's not just one coach, but it's, it's an entire staff. I mean, there's a lot more that goes into it than, than sort of the, you know, on the surface level of, oh, well, this coach didn't work out. So this coach moved and went to UCLA. Well, there was 20 other people that were here. I mean, I, I care more about the entire piece of it, but at the end of the day, we're, we're here to win football games and it's not, it's not the kindest business. Um, and if we can build a, an organization that has a lot more stability and structure, and you look at the teams that do well, you know, John Harbaugh has been in Baltimore for, I, I'm guessing 15 years. I mean, that's my guess. You know, Coach Belichick obviously has been there for a long time. You know, you have Andy Reid, who's built a, a, a long tenure in, in Philly and then, and then in KC. I mean, Pete Carroll, you, you look at it, it, it's no secret that teams that have good coaches keep them and they, they stay good for a long period of time. Well, just ask you this one question on this, uh, on Harbaugh. Do you look back on that? And, I, and I've written this, Harbaugh's not stayed a lot of places, although he's stayed in Michigan for a long time. Uh, but do you look back on that and say there were more things you could have done to keep that under control? I mean, I think there's there's always more things that you can do to 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 be better. And and I think you know again, looking at the structure that we have now, you know, trying to to learn from things that didn't work in the past and try to you know reshape the organization in ways that that you try to learn from. I think that's why we have the structure that we do now with with Kyle and John. I mean, Jim is a heck of a football coach. You know, he's, he's done well everywhere he's been. I wish him the best of luck. I think we're honoring the, the 2012 team at one of the games this year. I don't know exactly which one off the top of my head. I don't know that he would be here just because of his schedule. But, you know, I'd, I'd love to have him out here. I, you know, maybe the three of us can go to the French Laundry <laughs> together and, you know. It'd be fun. That would be great. I might actually, uh, I, I, I really like that one. I have, I've been staying away from it, but we'll, we'll bring up the French laundry in a little bit. But uh, I mean, I think the know. athletic would, would definitely, <laughs> I don't know would about definitely that pay for that. I don't know about that. Part. It would be a hell of a podcast. But you know, I talked to Jim and, and he is certainly, you know, his, the way he talks about his time with 49ers has changed. It's soft. And I, I, have you had a discussion or, I mean, he, he has said nice things about you, uh, you know, whatever, the way Jim would say it. Uh, and when he wasn't really saying that, and, and you're saying nice things about him, has there been some kind of kind of come together moment with you two guys? I mean, to my knowledge, we have not seen each other. My gym interaction usually comes through John, which I, I will see John Harbaugh at the annual meeting. And he's always sort of the conduit of, you know, Jim said this nice thing about you. Please, you know, share this with Jim. You know, so I, I mean, it's been like that. And I'm always conscious of, I don't want to reach out to a coach in the middle of their season, things like that. I, you know, Notre Dame and Michigan are not playing each other um, anymore. So, I mean, that's kind of a bummer to me, but like, I, I would love to see him at some point. I, I would love to, to get together with them. And, you know, I, I do think things soften over time and he's, he's a, damn good football coach and I, I wish him the best I wish his family the best let's talk about this season a little bit All right, let's go back to Trey Lance's first season here as starting quarterback that was a huge move to go get him and obviously it was Kyle and John's move but they have to I'm sure they have to bring it up to you you're, you're investing multiple first round picks to move up 
to, to, to draft a quarterback. You have Jimmy Garoppolo already on the team. You're, you're, it's a very complicated thing. How involved were you in that process, and how close were you to just the the way they figured out who they were actually going to take with that pick? I know that you know there's a lot that that sort of has gone into it, and you know the predictions of who we were going to choose. And there might have been a few predictions like that. Yes, you know, and 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 I, and I get it, but that's you know we we made that decision to to go up and 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 draft a young quarterback. So I mean, I was a part of obviously the 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 discussion of is this what we're going to do. But it makes it very easy when you have John and Kyle that when they are convicted and they want to do something, you know, it's not sort of fly by the seat of your pants, make a decision. They they have a, a clear vision of what they want to do. So it's very easy to support them in that, even if it's a bigger decision that costs, you know, money and draft capital and, and you know, sort of other things. I'm not somebody that's sitting there watching film and saying, draft this guy, draft that guy. You know, it was not an easy decision because there were a lot of great people there. And I think there's going to be a lot of folks from that draft that do well, you know, because of the talent that they have on the field and because of the people they are off the field. And, and I think ultimately that sort of won the day with Trey is that we trusted in Trey. He's a, he's a great young man. I think he's going to continue to grow, but having Kyle and John there, you know, helping him and, and aiding him along in his process I think you can be in a lot worse situations than than having Kyle Shanahan as your head coach for a young quarterback. You made a little reference to there. It was just a little bit of a to-do when many of us thought the pick was going to be Mac Jones, and I'm sure you were aware of that. And you maybe even thought a little bit, or you surely knew that there was a chance that you guys were going to take Mac Jones. Uh, I'm not going to ask you who you thought was better, but who did you think was better? <laughs> I mean, did you were you like, okay, if it's Mac Jones, that's great. Let's go do it. Whoever they chose, I was going to support. And again, like I, I'm not going to be overly involved in those types of decisions. It's more of the strategy and just saying, like, okay, if, if this is where we want to go, like, you know, go do it and go make the best decision. I, I, I want to make sure that John and Kyle feel empowered to, to do whatever they think they have to do to make this team you know, a, a Super Bowl contender. And I think they've done that. You know, I think the results the last few years have, have shown that. So I, again, like, I, I think there are a lot of good people and I'm, I'm very happy that Trey is here. Trey's a, a great young man and, and I'm looking forward to watching him grow over, over his career. Yeah. Have you got, he was your starting quarterback, obviously a lot invested in him draft capital wise, could be a lot invested in him financially in a little bit. Uh, have you got to know him? Do you want, you know, what is your kind of take on Trey Lance right now? He's a confident young man. He carries himself with the right combination of sort of swagger and humbleness. I'm excited to see him. Like, again, you, you talk about learning from mistakes. You know, you, you look at, you know, another quarterback that we drafted up high with Alex Smith. You know, Alex went out there very early on on not the the most talented football team that I've seen and probably not the most talented team that you've covered. I don't think that we did Alex any any service of of getting him out there early on in that situation. And I think that was part of the conversation last year of financially, do you do you keep two quarterbacks? Do you do this? Like is Trey ready to go? And I think we we tried to make sure that we had a plan in place to get Trey ready, not just for day one, but but hopefully a very, very long career with the San Francisco 49ers. And, and I think Trey's done everything that we've asked of him so far. And, and I hope that, that he feels, you know, supported by the franchise. At some point, he's going he's gonna to take this thing over and, and be there for a long, long time. Jimmy Garoppolo keeping the incumbent when you draft 
his replacement is always a little weird. I, I know your guys were pretty confident that they could, it would work, Jimmy's personality, the team's personality. But at some point, were you thinking this is going to be a little different? And then he's still on the roster, Jed. I mean, how weird is it to see him throwing the ball on the side field while training camp's going on? I mean, I've said this before. You can't have enough good quarterbacks and good football players. And again, like I'm not going to get into roster discussions and, and what, what John and Kyle want to do, but I will support them in, in sort of anything that, that they want to make this team as good as it can possibly be. I, I watched it with, with Joe and Steve, and I realized that the salary cap is different today than, than having no salary cap. But, I mean, we've said it before, we're happy to keep Jimmy. You know, we're, we're happy to, to have him on the roster. And if that's the case, then that's the case. One thing I'm hearing, Kyle's kind of talking it recently. When he first talked to you guys for the job, he was very blunt about the state of the roster. Uh, that it was like I was talking to you. Yeah, maybe it was to me too. Yeah, I think it was. But I've heard it various places. Um, how was it to hear that? I mean, you built it up. You were paying money for it. Uh, this is not a team that that you know thought it was a, you know going to sink. And to hear Kyle say, "Okay, when you're interviewing me, this is one of the worst rosters I've seen." The thing that I love about Kyle is, and, and I think you see it when you cover him. Like he's very, very direct. Like he's not pulling punches. And I think that's one of the things like I'd rather hear bad news directly and honestly from Kyle and from John. John is the same way than, you know, well, maybe, you know, maybe things are better than what they are. And, you know, we have this, we have that. I'd rather go through the process honestly and figure out how to fix it as opposed to hear things that aren't true. And, you know, not be able to trust the people in your building to to be open and honest about about where your team is. You've paid a lot of money for this roster. Uh, you're going to keep paying a lot of money. There's really talented players you have at the top of their scale of, of a lot of positions. Fred Warner, George Kittle, now Debo Samuel. We can you know Trent Williams. We can go on. Nick Bosa is going to be there. Eric Armstead. Uh, I spotlighted the Debo situation particularly. I'm, I, you're not doing the day to day negotiations. Don't need to get into that. But uh, a three-year deal, you know, ex- extension with that amount of guaranteed money. Was that a little different? And, and are you feeling this? Like this is, there, there's a lot of dollars being pushed in the in the middle of the table here with this roster. I mean, I think with the Debo deal, I mean, that's just sort of how the wide receiver deals came out. And Debo clearly was not the first deal that was done this offseason. Um, yeah, like we're, we're always willing to push the chips in the middle of the table. And I think it makes it a lot easier to pay your own guys a lot of money because you know who they are, you know, with Trent Williams. I mean, he's sort of the only non sort of drafted 49er that you mentioned in that group, but Trent's a guy that was a part of the Washington team with, with Kyle and, and, and Mike Shanahan. So it's not like you didn't know this guy or you've just watched him on film and I think it makes you a, a, a much better team and a much better organization when the, the majority of the guys that you pay a lot of money to are your own guys. And, you know, it makes it easier to, to bring in a Traverius Ward and know that we're, we're bringing in another really good football player, but it's not somebody from outside your organization that's getting paid more than everybody else that's here that's been, that's been running your program I think we've always had that philosophy that, I mean, that started with Scott McLuhan and, and that goes back to what, 2005. And I think that's, that's what helped 
sort of established that those Harbaugh teams, you, you look at the, the core that Jim inherited, it, it was a lot of guys that Scott McLuhan helped draft and, and led that process, but they were, they were 49ers and they were core 49ers. Then you added people and pieces from, from outside to, to supplement it. Speaking of the cash, I'm always going to mention Levi Stadium is something that I really saw kind of change the franchise. You and I were talking about this, but when you were putting the deal together to get Levi's built, uh, did you know at that point how much it would change a franchise? And can you imagine what would happen if you didn't get Levi's built? Where, where, where would this franchise be right now? Well, I mean, I think your, your question, like when, when you ask like things I would change, you know, the, 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 the bet that you and I had, <laughs> I mean, part of it was I, I had a big sense of how much that this would change. And I, I knew the perception in the market and, and with the fans that this is never going to happen. And, and you needed to have positive momentum. So if I could change maybe potentially how I, I went about, you know, our, our, our conversation <laughs> and relationship at that point in time, I might do it, but I, I knew how, I knew how important it would be to the franchise to, to get this done. And I was very protective of that and very, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that it was something that was done the right way. And I, you know, I think going into the ninth year, Levi's feels like home for people now. And, and I don't know that anybody ever would have anticipated that after such a great run at Candlestick going into the inaugural season in 2014. It was just impossible to fathom that, that you could make a really great home game experience after you had a great place at Candlestick for such a long time. Um, and I'm, I'm proud of how not just our team has operated, but I'm proud of how our fans have really made Levi Stadium their own. And then in turn, I mean, they've, they've made other stadiums our, our home as well. I mean, our, our fan base has been phenomenal at, at helping us now not just have a great, great home field advantage, but we've had an away team advantage, which has been, you know, relatively unheard of in the NFL. Do you ever think about dumping the grass? I mean, it didn't, it wasn't great, obviously at 14 and I think even into 15, but 14 was really a problematic. And again, I appraised you as you probably know, uh, for sticking to the grass field. But at some point, I would imagine you would think, this is not working. Let's go to artificial turf. I mean, I think the grass, and feel free to, to correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I think the grass has been great the last while, several years. Yeah, I think after the Super Bowl, I, th that felt like the turning point for me. I feel like there were, that was a good example of somebody not telling you the the full truth hmm. and saying, hey, maybe, maybe we messed up and you know, I, I can't remember the exact details, but I would have rather known bad news up front and spent whatever it took to fix it, because obviously that created sort of a, a, a perception that the grass was not good at Levi Stadium. And I think we've done an amazing job. I, I think that grass is probably the best grass in the NFL. And it might cost a little bit more money than than having turf. But our player health and safety is is way way too important to me to to mess around and, and go to turf. Uh, I mean, if you just look at the data, and my dad is the you know he's the head of the, the health and safety committee. I mean, you're saving at least one major you know ACL Achilles type injury every year that you have grass versus turf, and that's that's worth it to me. I, I can't imagine, and I've written this so. Uh, I'm, I'm my point on this is, is undeniable. I can't believe you have this amount. You know, owners have $200 million, more than $200 million invested in their players. 
and then risk that even one it's more crazy. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, it makes no sense. And, you know, I think we've done a great job of having, you know, multiple events at Levi Stadium and we will change over the grass. And, and, and again, like I'd rather have that expense than, you know, have a player or anybody else get injured on the field. Like that's, that's just not worth it when it's clearly preventable when, when you look at turf versus, versus natural surface. Give me a ballpark expense of what is it then? What's the extra expense? It might be a million dollars a year for a $200 million roster. Like you're, you're talking about a half a percent of what your roster costs. Isn't it worth it to, to take one of those catastrophic injuries off the table because you have a better surface? I think it is. Could you ever imagine the NFL moving in the direction of saying mandating grass fields? I mean, I, I know that that's something that, that the players union has, has talked about and pushed for. And, you know, we're fortunate in Northern California that, you know, we have a, a relatively temperate climate where if you are in, you know, the Northeast, it's, it's a little bit harder to have a natural grass field that will play very, very well in December and January. I do think that there are better turf options today than what there were in, you know, when 2012 to 2014, when we were planning Levi Stadium. I, I don't know that the NFL will do it, but I, I do think that the turf fields have gotten better. And I, and I think that they are, I, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but I know they've mandated, you know, you're not going to see the old veteran stadium AstroTurf. I, they, they've done a better job. And I, and I think that's one of the areas where we need to work much more closely with the Players Association to try to improve player health and safety on the field. Being at Levi's, uh, was it a component or is it a component of some of the World Cup discussions and some other events that you could, or you looked at the possibility of putting some kind of partial roof at Levi's to block out some of that sun? So it's nothing that we've really had any pushback from from the World Cup on. I, I think most of the games would be at night anyways. Um, so I, I don't think that that's in the cards. But we've we've evaluated it and we've looked at it. If a chance ever comes where you can do something that, that works, like we're always going to look to improve the atmosphere at Levi's. I think with the flight path at, at the San Jose airport, I, I think it's a little tough to do that. But I don't anticipate that happening. I know that that might upset some of our fans, but you know, again, going back to Kyle Shanahan, I'd, I'd rather hear hear directly and honestly up front that I don't think it's going to change than you know try to try to massage it something that people might not want to hear. Was that Sunfield ever like? Could you see that coming, or was that just it happened and and it was harsher than you could have imagined it was going to be? One of the largest complaints that we had at Candlestick was how cold Candlestick was. And one of the complaints that we get now at Levi's is it's too hot. Again, we live in Northern California. It's very expensive to build things here. Like I don't want to build a, a dome and a roof and try to pass that cost on to our fans and things like that. I think we've done a good job of trying to, you know, get as much waters and things, you know, now you have an all-inclusive menu that, you know, you can get free waters all game. We're trying to do as much as we can to make sure that our fans feel comfortable in the stadium. But I, I would not have anticipated going from it's too cold at candlestick to it's too hot at Levi's. Like I did not anticipate that. You have some, had some difficulties just with the city, uh, well chronicled. Uh, It's been gone on for a long time. Uh, 
there was a settlement discussions. Uh, how much do you need this to end? How much are you anticipating that this this back and forth, which has gone on and it's gotten ugly for sure, uh, has to end, could end? And, and are there things you could have done better to make it end? I think we've had a good relationship with the city. I, I think there's probably one specific person um, on, on the city council that that has chosen to to fight this fight. Like we're going to be a good community partner. I, I hope that we can get this wrapped up for everybody just to move forward and we can all focus on things that I believe are more important. And, you know, we're going to continue to be a good community partner, whether or not, you know, certain politicians decide that they don't like us. I've mentioned this before that, Jed, you, you have interests in, in the outside world. You've been on some you know interesting uh, group with some interesting groups. You've been in charities. Uh, do you look at politics in the future or these, is that something that you're interested in? If you asked me this in in 2000, like eight, nine, 10, I would have said yes. I, I, I think at this point, my life is public enough. <laughs> and I think there's enough that I can do in in my unbelievably fortunate situation for the family that I'm in, the the position that I hold in, in my day job, that we can affect a lot of change in specific areas. And, and I think that's where I will focus my time in terms of giving back as opposed to, you know, running for, for public office. Uh, we're going way over the time that I said I would take, but you were gracious enough to say we could go on. I got to ask you about Leeds United. Uh, I'm fascinated by, you know, the Athletic UK is incredible coverage for, for soccer or football as, as is the proper word for it. Uh, when you got into this, was about a decade ago, what were your kind of ideas? And clearly you like it because I know that the, you have gotten more and more, what you got, 40% of Leeds United now? It's the, 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 the percentage has increased every time I look up. Uh, is this something that, that like... You, I know a lot of your focus is on. I mean, what, what, how, how has that kind of shaped your idea of what a Premier League investment could be like? Our first investment, I think, was five seasons ago. So, and we've we've looked at leads for for a while, um, sort of in different different formats. And I, I think partnering with with Andrea Radrazzani has been the combination of of his his vision and passion and and some of the structure that we bring and sort of you know professional sports insights that we bring. It's been it's been a fun fun ride. I, I think Leeds is it is such an amazing place. Um, Ellen Road. If you get a chance to go there, and, and I would tell you, Tim, or anybody listening, it is it is one of the best stadium experiences that you will ever ever have as a, as a sport fan. I think global football is you know I mean clearly like the, the EPL is the most watched league in, in the entire world. Um, and I, I think we've been able to, you know, get leads in a position where I, I don't know that we're competing at the, at the very top end, but, but that's the goal is to get leads, you know, back on top where they were in the seventies and eighties. And it is an immensely difficult challenge to do it, but it's been so fun working on it. Now you have some of your comrades in the NFL who own uh, EPL teams and not doing so well. He's Manchester United, obviously, it, it, the very unpopular ownership. What things have you tried to avoid as an American with you know major investment? Now you got an American manager uh, who seems to be doing quite well, Jesse Marsh. But are, are there things that you've been trying to like we're not going to do in order to make sure that this is a smooth kind of uh, you know 
at least appears smooth, at least is, is conducted in a in a manner that isn't going to upset fans back there? Well, I mean, I, I think we're we're in a different situation than than some of the other folks. And you you look at, at folks that have bought teams that were already in the Premier League and are right in the middle of being a dynasty. There's a lot of fan pressure and fan expectation. When we looked at Leeds, and that was part of the evaluation process for us, it was finding a team that had a lot of potential for growth. So, I, I mean, I think it's a, a different feeling for a fan base, whether we're American or whether we're from Mars, you know, to be able to help Leeds go from the championship level back into the Premier League. You know, I think that that helped win folks over and, and again, I think we've been open and honest with them. We, we are not the ones that are, that are controlling leads. You know, we're on the board. We're very, very helpful. And I think Andre has been, been a great, great steward for the club. And I think that's the key. You are a steward of the club much more than you're the owner of the club. And, and I think, I, I hope that's how, how I operate. My family operates with the San Francisco 49ers. And that's certainly the, the, the approach that we take with Leeds is, you know, our, our job is to make sure that the team can be as good as they possibly can and give the fans something to cheer about. And I, I think so far, you know, knock on wood, we've, we've done a decent job with that. Well, you brought up the French Laundry a couple of times, so I, I got to bring it up a little bit. No, at the time, uh, it was a very interesting moment. And at the, that's what I knew. Driving home from that dinner, like, this is going to be a good story for a while. And now it's been a good story for just about more than eight years. Uh, it was a bet. If it would make a quick summary, it was a bet Jed and I made, that, which you amped up on Twitter, by the way. Uh, but I, I went along have. with it. I went along with it. French Laundry, fine. And uh, I ended up paying for Jed and Daniela's wife's dinner and myself at French Laundry with Matt Barrows and Ann Killian there also. Because I lost a bet about when... Uh, when uh, Levi's could open, I said it wouldn't open by 2014, and it did. Um, as you recall that dinner, was that anything that strikes you now? Did you know that it was going to be a big deal for me when all that happened? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where, I mean, you're, you're probably on social media and interacting with people on social media much more than I am and responding to folks. It, it is very easy to shoot something off on social media and, and not have a consequence to it on, on either side where, <laughs> you know, you, you had to pay for a dinner, but, you know, in, in, in hindsight, I'm not sure that, that the dinner specifically was worth calling you out on Twitter to, <laughs> to, to go do that. And, and again, like I, like I said, I, I was very protective of, of our brand and the brand of trying to build Levi stadium, you know, in, in today's world, like that is not something that I would do. Um, so I, I, I will owe you a dinner at some that's, point to, that's... to, to, to try to make up for that. But I, I mean, I feel like driving there with Danielle, it was like, this, this might be a little much, like this <laughs> might, like I might have, I might've gone a little too far on this one. That's okay. It's a great story. I was in shock there for a little bit. I, I'm in a little higher tax bracket these days, Jed, so uh, maybe it wouldn't have hit me as hard back then it did, uh, but that's okay. And I never said it was unfair, right? I never said that uh, and didn't talk about it for a year or so until Harrison Barnes asked me to. So I, I want you to recognize no, that. Uh, and it was all fair, but uh, yeah, when the... Uh, Owner of Stairs of the 49ers takes me for $2,400. That was a little bit of a... That, that part, I, I think you understood. It was like, I just got hit for $2,400. That's all Again, like, I, 
Today's me would not would not do that. <laughs> it's okay. Today's me would be okay with it. I, again, I, I was kind of laughing about it at the time. So uh, I, I know you've had people, you've had employees who thought that's why I was criticizing you or the team, and it was not. It, it wasn't absolutely not. It was. It was you do good things. I praise you. Things don't no, I, go well. I criticize you. So you don't have to. I just want to make sure that your employees are. You I, I'm that. good on that. And, and yeah. I, I hope I've, I've illustrated my point of like, it, it was less personal with you as yeah. as opposed to yeah, I, I wanted people to know that we were going to get the stadium done. Yep. Is that, and I mean, did. at that time, yeah. people didn't believe it. Yep. No, I appreciated that. And you did do it. And you getting, and I've written this, it's not, I, I prefer not saying this with you right there because you're my guest, but you getting Levi Stadium done was the achievement of your career. Uh, and uh, without it, I don't know what, where the 49ers are right now. I knew how hard it was because we were talking about it back then. I, I knew what kind of debt level you were taking. Uh, but hey, you got to spend money to make money, right? I mean, at some point you have to. And you're an NFL franchise. Some of this is good money because you're going to earn it back if you're a successful team. You are going to earn it back. And sometimes I don't see why more owners don't don't act that way. Maybe some in the Bay Area. <laughs> some do, by the way. Some do. No, some, some do. I mean, I, I think you know Joe, Joe has done a tremendous job um, with the Warriors. I always feel strange. And again, it'll be interesting to look back 10 years from now. But when you start Chase... And a pandemic hits, it's mm, not the yeah. ideal time. But, you know, Chase, and, and again, you look at what the old arena was and what Chase is, it's not dissimilar from Candlestick, where, where you just had so many great memories. And it was it was a very fun place for sports fans to watch. You know, I think when you when you look 10 years out, and, I, and not to say that Chase is not doing well, I think fans really enjoy it. But it, it takes a few years to sort of break in a new venue. And, and I think the Warriors obviously winning a championship this year helps a ton. Um, but I mean, he did an amazing job. I, I remember having that conversation with, with then mayor Newsom, who was not overly thrilled about a, a, a move to Santa Clara. And I said, then I'm like, look, like, you know, you should, you know, you've got a baseball team here that, that does, you know, however many events, you know, 80 to 90 or hundred events, however non-baseball things that they do, you know, bring in an arena would be a great thing. And I think Joe has proved that, that the arena is a great thing for San Francisco. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful team to watch. And I hope any fans, especially that, that are joint fans, but the warrior fans, you know, don't, don't take for granted how amazing this basketball team is. I mean, it, it is very, very hard to do what the warriors have done and and enjoy it like just just enjoy it i talk to you guys foreigners people and all you want to do is talk about the warriors with me it's, it is it's, but it's a it's an un, interesting kind of uh, relationship i think i mean you know i wrote about kyle and steve kerr and bob and john lynch we know are, are very close um i don't think you and joe Lagob are super tight but do you have conversations with them do you feel a kinship with them yeah i mean joe and i we see each other He's I mean, a 49ers sweet holder, right? I'm pretty sure he he's is. a sweet holder yeah. here. I mean, he's invited Danielle and I to games, um, you know, multiple times. You know, we've played poker together. We've had dinner together. Um, obviously have a lot of mutual friends. And, and again, Joe is somebody that he's very, very direct. And, and I appreciate that in a world where people are not always very direct. And I, I think what he's accomplished is, 
you know, I mean, would you have ever ex- expected the Golden State Warriors 15 years ago to be one of the most valuable sports franchises in, in the world? No, absolutely yeah, not. I mean, it's no, just, it, yeah. it's amazing. And, you know, you have to tip your hat to somebody. And again, it's not just Joe, like you, you mentioned a lot of great people, but he's helped build an amazing organization. And it, it does remind you a lot of those 80s, 90, you know, 80s and 90s Niner teams that, you know, Joe Montana, you know, isn't playing football today. You know, Steph Curry is not going to be playing basketball at some point. You know, it's not going to last forever with, with this group of people. Like, take advantage of the fact that you have one of the greatest sports teams that's ever existed. It, it's in our backyard. Like, take advantage of it and don't take it for granted. This really is like, you know, your uncles and Bill Walsh and Joe. And it really is, Ronnie Lott. I mean, this this is what it is. for the, we're, we're talking about Warriors, but it, it's a great point you make. And that, that the owner of the 49ers is making it is very interesting. Oh, well, I will close this long podcast, taking up much of your time, but it's been so good. Uh, I wanted to get all these topics with a version of the question I ask everybody, Jed Yorga, I'm just curious, what's your favorite TV show right now? Right now, Peaky Blinders. That's a that's a Kyle pick, right? He loves was that it? show. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know when he picked it. I love Peaky Blinders. I've tried to watch it. The accent gets me. Maybe I got to watch. Maybe I got to get the subtitles. I'm like, you got to do subtitles saying. to start, yeah. but it's yeah. it's so good. The, the characters are so good. It's it's a it's a fun show. Uh, it's it's like uh, violence. Is there some humor in it? I need some humor in it. It's a little bit. It's dark humor. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's definitely some dark humor. But I, I mean, as a as a history guy, history was a second major for me. So I mean, seeing some of the the time period pieces, it's it's pretty cool to to see how they weave real history into the show, and it's it's fun. Okay, I gotta watch it then. If it's Shanahan, I try Shanahan suggested it like a year ago, and I tried it and I could not understand it. Uh, but if it's Shanahan, Jed York, I'm gonna now make sure I, I watch the thing. I, I do need another series, so I'll get into Peaky Blinders. And and people I like really like this show, so I bet I better. And one it. other thing that I would plug that I mean I I don't know that they'll do another season, um, but Danielle and I just finished First Ladies. I okay, yeah, on, yeah. I know Showtime or HBO um, with Violet Davis. Um, Robin Wright, right? I Rob, think. No, no, no. no, uh, no. That's um, that's another show. Yeah, but someone who's yeah, playing that well, was there's a big parts. there's a big there's a big actress in Gillian right Anderson. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I mean it, it was it was amazingly well done. It was it was a great show. All right, that's great recommendations. Michelle great. Pfeiffer. Michelle I, I, Pfeiffer. That would be Michelle a big Pfeiffer. One. Yeah, San Francisco native and and Forty Nine er fan. Excellent. She's amazing in it. Absolutely amazing. First ladies and Peaky Blinders. That's a wide disparity of uh, genres there, Jed. But uh, I, I appreciate I appreciate the uh, the recommendations and the chance to go look at that. I, I know other people like they listen to this and they start watching the shows. I, this is what I ask the questions for. So I am glad to get the shows counted. All right, if Jed. You want a podcast? I oh. think it's called Crooked City. They're highlighting Youngstown, Ohio now, and some <laughs> of the the mafia. Uh, and and Jim Traffigan, our former congressman, who who unfortunately passed away, but it's it's a very very unique look at the city of Youngstown. Say that again, Crooked City. I think it's Crooked City. Okay, I'll tweet it out because it's okay. a it, it's a very interesting show on on Youngstown. All right, 
Listen, Jed, appreciate the time. I'm very glad we got to do this. I knew it would be good, uh, and I knew uh, this was going to be a conversation that we wanted to have. So I really appreciate it. You were game for everything. I asked you everything. So uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Tim. See you soon, man. All right. See you soon, Jed. Everybody, that's the show for today. <laughs>